Welcome back to the Fantasy Flavor Podcast, where we spice up your daily dose of fantasy football content. Join Dylan Thomas, Sanat Ansara, and Trenton Roberts as they provide you with player and team analysis, mock drafts, and one-on-one interviews. Hey, what's going on, viewers of the Fantasy Flavor Podcast? My name is Dylan, and I'm super excited to be back here. Um, it's been a while. You know, I've been busy with finals for college, but um, um, I'm back here with a pretty cool guest, I'd like to say. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Jetpack Galileo on Twitter. You can find me at Jetpack Galileo. Uh, yeah, Dylan hit me up. We were talking, I think he showed me a video of is uh tj hawkinson breakdown well, that was pretty sweet so we kind of connected over that um that was cool to see uh his work there um and then from there we just kind of got chatting a little bit about fantasy football so i'm with the fantasy football astronauts and we're doing uh, we have our own podcast and things like that but probably one of the bigger things that i'm working on and that we're doing as the astronauts is putting together a draft breakdown again so if you guys have heard of draft breakdown or remember that for the past that's where we took college cutups and, you know, so you could have everything, all the college film and all the tape on YouTube. And so um, I'm doing a little bit of work, just trying to get some of that back up again. And the draft breakdown that we're trying to do is really collecting all the YouTube videos of all the you know, college film that we can either produce or that other people have worked on. And we're trying to put that in one place. So um, we have the 2019 film up and that was all ready to go. But coming into 2020, that's going to be our, our next big thing that we're working on. So that for me, that's mostly um, what I'm doing, like, project-wise. And then other than that, just hanging out, podcasting, talking on Twitter. I feel that. I, I, I miss podcasting and going on Twitter. I haven't been able to do it as much. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it sounds like you're really busy. I know um, I, I'm part of the Dynasty Nerds team, and we're doing something really similar to yeah. that so i think that's kind of cool how we have numerous platforms trying to do that and hopefully we can cover most of like the college tape right because this draft class 2020 is getting hyped up like i've never seen before justifiably so honestly it's a really great draft class yeah totally yeah i've seen some of the stuff you guys do so i mean obviously i love love all the dynasty nerd stuff and you like there's so many cool guys on that team so um just yeah good community i think just overall yeah, the whole community is pretty great, honestly. And I, I by the way, thank you for the uh, watching the TJ Hawkinson video. I put a lot of work into that. I know that's not directly up your alley, and I had some of the most ghetto film analysis like ever, but I do appreciate it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so it sounds like you're a pretty big film guy. Like, what's your background with film? How did you kind of get into that? Because it's kind of like a whole process. Uh, I played college football, so um, for me, I actually most of my um playing experience like i think learning the film i picked up on a lot of different nuances after i had, after i finished playing um but just having the background of having played a little bit and then um you know have time spent in a film room and going over things and trying to identify what's valuable or what goes through a player's head um is something that is a little more natural for me um and so there wasn't like a ton to work on but i think over the last year or so it's been cool to learn like different things or different positions that I don't normally look at. So I played uh, tight end and receiver in college. And then um, like just getting into like quarterback film right now has been 
really interesting to just develop a process and try to get into like all, all the different layers um, that go into decision making there. So um, yeah, for me, the film stuff just comes from a player background. So do you specialize in like studying a certain position? Like you said, you played tight end, you played wide receiver, but you've also been getting a quarterback film. Like what do you specialize in? I mean, I, most of my work is just like, it's easier. I would say it's easier. Or it's more natural for me to get into receivers and figure out what's going on there. Um, and then like right now I'm learning, okay, how does a quarterback see a defense and, and all the different decisions and progressions that he'll go through is a little bit different than what the receiver does. Right. So like a guy can be open or different things like that, but you know, it might be his third read. And so he's not going to get there. And so, you know, like how, how that whole thing fits together, right? Like the receiver could be open and he ran a good route and all this kind of stuff. But like, you know, does, is the quarterback adapting well? Is he facing the, the pass rush well, all those kinds of things. Um, that's been cool to, to get into a little bit. So Yeah, no, I definitely think there's a lot of, like, football to digest. And that's why I think, like, film works, like, so hard. Because it takes time, right? You can crunch some numbers. And that definitely takes time, too. But, like, film takes, like, a lot of time. And it takes, like, a lot of knowledge, too. So do you have, like, any advice for people like me who, like, maybe didn't play football or just don't know much about film, how to kind of dive into that? Sure. I mean, I think part of... So like I love numbers too, and I, you know, working on different models or building different stats or trying to create new and different things. And like, I think that's totally awesome to, to do all that work. Like, like if you're doing any sort of analytics or anything like that, it's phenomenal. Um, but I think like part of the reason why I enjoy film so much is just because I love watching the game of football. And like, to me, if you turn on a TV and you're able to like understand a little more what's going on schematically, um, it changes the game. It's like the game is so much more fun, even than looking at a box score or just watching the game. Right. Um, and so if you're like able to put things together um, in terms of like, Oh, what, what's the coach trying to do? How is he attacking this defense? And why are they even in this defense? Right. Like all those different layers, that's what makes the game so much fun. Like football is the most complex, beautiful game of chess. And there, you know, like you don't really get to that unless that you understand a little bit of the film. And so it's not that, oh, I played football and that's why like I'm good at film or anything like that. It's just, a, it becomes a little more natural. But so for anybody who's like trying to get into film, I just say uh, there's, there's like tons of different guys to learn from. There's a lot of resources out there, but like simple things like playing Madden are like a great way of introducing yourself to concepts and, and schemes and all that kind of stuff. And so like, like I, I even said earlier, right? Like for me, most of my growth in terms of like understanding all the schemes and things came after my career as a player because I had more time to like sit and do things like play Madden. <laughs> and, and like when you're getting into those things, you're like, Oh, you know, now I kind of understand like why I need to call cover four here or why, you know, why I want to get into this defense. It's just like stupid stuff like that. Um, playing those games can help just as like a basic intro. Yeah. I don't. I don't even play. I don't like play video games now or anything like mm -hmm. that. But just like, there's, there's like a lot you can take from without ever playing football just by like playing a football video game because you have to be the coach and you have to make decisions. You have to figure out okay, well, why why do I want to call this play? Like, why is this run play useful versus this defense? So yeah, I mean, just like you don't have to have any football experience. You can get right into the scheme of the game. Are there any resources other than Madden? Um, like maybe potential like follows <laughs> other than yourself, like you'd recommend to kind of like get your feet wet into film? 
Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, so there's the, my Matt Waldman does a bunch of stuff. My, my favorite follow um, for film besides Brooks, hot takes Brooks um, is Jay Moyer. He's been really good. Jay Moyer FB, I think is his, his handle. Um, he's a super cool guy. Um, but the way that he breaks things down and he'll go into like, you know, the scheme of run play and all the blocking um, that that's involved. And then how does a running back process those reads? Like to me, I've learned more about the run game just through watching some of his stuff. Um, that's been really, really cool. So um, like following him is really great. Uh, like he's part of the Matt Waldman team. Um, and so like they do a bunch of cool stuff too. But I, yeah, I mean, just like if you were to look up, even on YouTube, YouTube has like a great, like Twitter's okay, but like YouTube has a ton of stuff on film and there's all sorts of guys out there. Like one guy who's really entertaining is Brett Coleman. And he'll, I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like he's, he's awesome. So, you know, and just like, it doesn't have to be a grind session, right? It can just be entertaining because you're watching football. So. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I respect a lot of the work that you guys do because it's not like easy. So I really appreciate that. But kind of moving outwards into kind of like how you analyze film. Uh, you know, I've had like Angelo on here for the podcast, uh, Angelo FF, and he does something like really unique with film. It's kind of like perceptual cognition and kind of stuff like that. It's it's definitely something that kind of weird to be honest, but it's pretty cool. Like, do you have your own kind of like flair with your film analysis? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say that. I, I enjoy um, all of Angelo's work too. He's a great guy. Um, and we've had him on the pod too. I mean, yeah, like, so for him, a lot of it is about like, how does a player process things? Right. And that's really what, anytime you're watching film or anytime, especially like you're watching running back film, that's what you're looking at is how does a guy process the way that he's reading the field? Um, and so as soon as you do that, like if you give it like a cool name, like perceptual cognition, of, you know, whatever, right? like <laughs> then all of a sudden it's, it's like, Oh wow, this is sweet. So, um, I mean, I'm not saying it like he's he's great, so he's yeah. definitely called too. Um, but I don't, I don't have any like cool words or anything like that. You know, maybe I have to get into like <laughs> the hashtag game a little bit. You know, uh, but yeah, <laughs> that, that's a pretty funny response. I gotta admit, I, I like that one. Um, so what do you find like most important with film? Then is it kind of like a player's intelligence? Is it like a player's athleticism? Is it like the route running? Like what is it? I mean. So, okay, yeah. Um, how would I say? You want to find the way, like the different ways that a player wins. And I, being able to identify that is like kind of the value of watching film, right? So if I see, like Rashad Penny is a really good example in his college film, right? So like you watch his film, or you look at his stats, right? He's got phenomenal stats. He like led college football in broken tackles. He literally like led college football in rushing. He's got really good yards per carry, all this stuff, right? So, like, statistically, he's phenomenal, and he played at San Diego State, so it's like a smaller school. But you go into and you watch the film, and their offensive line is, like, totally dominant. And he's got huge lanes to run through, and on, like, most of his touchdown runs, and they could be 50, 60-yard touchdown runs. He's a big, fast guy, right? Um, most of his touchdown runs, he's going untouched. And it's, like, kind of a similar thing with Ronald Jones when you watch him at USC, and, like, also, I would say, a similar thing with Daryl Henderson um, when we were watching them. And so... Like, you're like, yes, I know the stats. The stats are amazing. Daryl Henderson's got the highest yards per carry of in college football history. Like, he's going to be so great, right? And then you kind of watch the film and you say, well, how is he being challenged? And is he winning those times that he's being challenged? 
And if, if you watch a guy and you say, oh, he's not being challenged that much, like, what are you going to draw or take away? Um, and so, like, I'm not saying Rashad Penny's bad, or I'm not saying Daryl Henderson is bad. We're just saying, like, that information is really valuable to inform what you're understanding in the stats. And so if you're going to marry those two things, that's, like, a really good way of doing that. I really like that. Um, how much work have you done with the 2020 draft class? Have you done any work with that? Yeah, I've done, I've done probably preliminary work on Okay. Is there anyone from that draft class you're kind of concerned would have like the same issues or like the same like red flag? Uh, well, so like a really popular guy is Jerry Judy. Um, and I love Jerry Judy from like who he is as an athlete and like his route running and all that. So, I mean, you'll hear a bunch of stuff. Um, but to like, my question for him is like, how does he do in contested catch situations? And there's not a ton of that on tape. And and so it's like not to, so the interesting thing about film or whatever, right, is like just because it's not there doesn't mean he doesn't have the skill, but it's still like a valid question. And at some point you need to answer that or at some point you expect some type of answer. But like for him in particular, he's, a lot of people had him last year as the top prospect, right? Hands down. Oh, this is the best prospect since Julio Jones. Uh, I, you know, like that's kind of valid in terms of, you know, like that's not a, not, not that far off in terms of like, yeah. if you're going to talk about a guy, um, but like Jerry Judy specifically in terms of who he is as an athlete and a route runner and all this stuff, he's not Julio Jones. Um, and he doesn't have a ton of contested catch wins like Amari Cooper had even. Um, and so, you know, you just have a question, right? Like, okay, what, what is he really good at? He's an excellent slot receiver. And so to me, he's more of like a Keenan Allen type guy. Um, where, you know, I even like my my phrase for him is that he's keen on with the jetpack, right? So he's he is fast, like he's got legit speed. Um, but for me, like his skill set is not being a freak athlete and being able to overpower everybody. It's being like having the finesse um, to win through the route. I, I like that a lot because you can kind of summarize that for me and I can't. You know, I'm not like the greatest film watcher of all time. So I think that's pretty <laughs> uh, insightful, definitely. So that's definitely something interesting to watch. We've kind of seen his dip in like production, right? We've kind of seen guys sure. like Henry Ruggs and Devonta Smith kind of like um, almost like up produce him. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but you know what I mean? Like Jerry Judy's like, you expected him to take another step up and he's kind of taken a step back in forms of production. And maybe that's related to what you see on film. But I think that's really cool. Um, I guess my next question for you would be how like you talk about like you use like numbers and stats like how do you kind of use numbers and stats to help out your like your film analysis or vice versa how do those two kind of uh, intertwine? Yeah, so um, people will look at it like, okay, I'm going to use my stats to weed out good players and bad players, and I think if you do that, then you're gonna misses that you don't necessarily need to have so like terry mclaurin is a really good example right um he's like a very popular example. he's like the outlier of outliers where his dominator rating was i believe it's like 13 percent or something like that and so do you know do you know dominator rating yeah, yeah of Terry, course right? of course yeah yeah so i believe the threshold's like 20 percent. you want to be at a 20 percent dominator rating if you're not doing that then you're like were you even any good in college right and so if he didn't have 20 percent of the market share of the targets that we're going to receivers at Ohio State. Um, and so the, the whole question on him was like, oh, if he doesn't have that, he's not good enough, right? So everybody washed him out. And 
then you had guys who, and like, I'm not going to say I identified him because I didn't, but you have guys who say, you know, oh, this Terry McLaurin guy, he's a phenomenal route runner. He understands the game. You can tell by the way that he processes things that he's going to be really good, right? I think, um, uh, I don't know if it's Brian Kelly or Brad Kelly or one of those guys. Yeah, Brad Kelly. Yeah, uh, yeah Brad Kelly. He was like, you know, Terry McLaurin, he's going to be good, right? So it's like, okay, but he doesn't have the stats. He had like 700 yards receiving. Like, how could he be any good? And he didn't break out until he never broke out, right? Because you, for your breakout year, you need to have 20% over, you know, your throughout your college career. You never hit that ever. Um, and so, like, if you have no breakout age, then you're going to suck in the NFL, obviously, because you weren't good in college. And now here we are. And, you know, in the offseason, we're going through this process of, okay, well, like, this guy sucks. And then the Redskins take him in the third round. And everybody's like, haha, what a joke, right? Like, oh, classic Redskins to take this loser, <laughs> to take this nobody in the third round, right? Um, and like to me, that's where it's like, oh, I better pay attention, right? Because even if like that, that might even be like helpful, right? This guy had terrible stats and some team took him in the third round. What does that tell me about like I need to take a look at this guy? And so then watching him, I was like, Oh yeah, I can see kind of what Brad's talking about, right? Where oh, he's separating well. And then, like, he had an interview where he was talking about playing football and, like, his, like, the way he processes the game and things. He had, like, a soundbite or something like that, and it was, like, super awesome just to hear him talk about football. And so then you know, like, he has the intelligence to be able to win, and he's, like, you know, athletically, he's a great athlete. He's, like, four three seven guy, all this stuff. So um, there's, like, these tools there, and you know he's got the skill, and so, you know, I just throw out the stats. I'm, like, I don't care what his stats were in college. He's a third round pick. There's no competition in that room. And so he'll probably end up being the guy. And then you saw all throughout the preseason, they treated him like he was the guy. They interviewed Jay Gruden and Jay Gruden was like, oh yeah, we had like no idea Terry McLaurin would be any good. Would be it. We didn't know he would be as good as he is. They were shocked. And you know, I think that's really speaks to the value of, of understanding who a player is as an athlete. You do that through film. You don't do that through the numbers necessarily. He's an extreme example. Terry's an extreme example. There's nobody like him in terms of being an outlier and being as successful as he is um, in his rookie year. But either way, it's like still really cool to see and probably my prime example of like what the value is. So I, I don't know if that answered your question at all. No, <laughs> I, I definitely appreciate the answer. Um, and it seems like all these outlier guys, like we've noticed like McLaurin. McLaurin slowed down a little bit, but I still definitely consider him like a definite hit for his like, you know, his price already. Um yeah. And, you know, you have guys like Michael Thomas. Thomas was another outlier. Um, DJ Chark, who's really just, like, blown up this year. Like, out of no, like out of nowhere, <laughs> DJ Chark just yeah. blew up. So I feel yeah. like with all these, like, outliers, honestly, like, the one, like, similarity they all share, if you will, is the fact that um, they kind of go to these bigger schools. So I'm interested in how these people who, like, crunch numbers a lot. Like, I consider myself more of, like, a number cruncher than, like, a, like a film guy, right? But, like, yeah. I'm kind of curious how we're going to evaluate that in the future. Because now I feel like we're starting to have a trend of, like, all the, these these outliers are going to, like, these big schools. So I think that's a really great response. Thank you for that. Sure, yeah. Um, Talk to me about mm-hmm. what you find to be valuable statistically. Or, like, what what's your, like, process like? Sure. Um, So you kind of saw it a little bit with uh, the TJ Hawkinson breakdown video. And I did one on Nikhil Harry too. And he checked, both of them check off a lot of boxes and they're similar boxes, I'd say. So what I kind of look at is I kind of like, I hate when people kind of funnel into like one model 
like there's some people who i'm actually good friends with who still like funnel into like one model or like say if you don't have xyz right just no but i think that's like ridiculous so i look at a lot of things so with guys like harry and hawk they just kind of check off a whole bunch of models right so i do value things like highly like yards created grand barfield does that market share of yards um that's awesome i really like that college dominated rating a little less i think market share of yards is a little bit better these days just like with the predictiveness it's hard to like say like these numbers are true as someone who's taken stats classes in college though because of the fact that um i'd say like we're kind of doing the process backwards you know what i mean like there's no like actual causation for the, all these things right there's no causation for the college dominated ratings the breakout ages not something else you know i factor in a lot so it's kind of like a backwards process but it like works for me so that's why i do it if that answers your question so i definitely like the market share of yards the um breakout ages the yards created those are the kind of things i use too but i definitely do look into like film videos too yeah that's great yeah so we're definitely pretty different in that regard which i do enjoy so that's why i wanted to have you on because i don't like when people just use like one model or only use one and not the other like film and stats kind of need each other in order to get like the best analysis because sure it's just like and we see it with the nfl moving more towards analytics like these have value like these aren't just like numbers but you need like the right numbers so i definitely like how you use both of them so all right i kind of want to get a little negative here just out of curiosity what was like one player you were like higher on this year that just completely like just underlived expectations for you um saquon Saquon, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, he's an easy one. Um, but yeah, like, for for me, Sa Saquon, I think he's probably going to be the best running. I think he'll end up retiring as the best running back of all time. He all has right. the ability to do that. There's like, there's Barry Sanders, and there's like, you know, I think Saquon has a chance to be in that ballpark. So um, for me, I love the guy as an athlete and, um, Everything that he did last year, there wasn't necessarily like a good reason why he couldn't do it this year. Like the offensive line is the same, um, the defense is the same, but you know, just getting hurt. And then um, I think that was probably the biggest thing is just getting hurt. Yeah, you know, no, kind of kept them down. Yeah, it's just been frustrating too because we've kind of watched Daniel Jones come in and he's not getting like the same amount of targets he used to. But you're just really wasting Saquon, right? Because if your Absolutely. line sucks, just get him the ball in space. Like, I don't know why I'm smarter than Pat Shermer, but I feel like I am in this case. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, design some receiving plays. Like, he isn't like, I definitely say CMC's better. CMC, you know, is killing it this year. He's ridiculous. Camaro's probably a better receiving back, but he might be like the third best receiving back in the league, and they're not really giving him much utilization there, which right. is just baffling. And yeah, it's just crazy because, totally. like, the line got better too. It's just, ugh. Yeah, so that was a real bummer. But, I mean, I think, like, going forward, I'm still going to draft him with my first pick in the first round or whatever. Like, you know, I have no no hesitation about thinking he's going to be good again. Um, it's just a matter of, is the scheme going to fit? Are they going to really maximize him, like you're saying? Or are they going to, you know, treat him like Joe Mixon? Oh, so, Joe just... Mixon. Oh, that's another miss by me. <laughs> I love Mixon. Mixon's just so good. I mean, to be fair... Like, think like this past month or whatever, like he's actually been like serviceable as like a running back. I don't, I don't remember the exact numbers, but he's been like a top something, like top twelve, top like twenty back or something. So it's not like he's actually been trash. 
but um i mean earlier he was absolute garbage <laughs> yeah yeah I uh, um how about one guy who was one guy you were uh, higher on the most that's actually panned out oh that's a good question thanks yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know um who's yours what was mine hmm that's yeah. tough Hold on, hold well, on, hold on, I'm kind question. of doing the same thing as you, I'm like, shit, <laughs> I gotta really, uh, well, um, I did say Dalvin Cook would, um, okay, it's kind of like a bad and a good thing, I was like, Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cook, like, these are two of, like, my guys for running backs, so I'm like, one of these guys is gonna be, like, the RB1 yeah. this year, and I was right, that take was right, I mean, Dalvin Cook is technically the RB2, but that's only because CMC decided to become God for, like, um, the season, and <laughs> just, like, put the Panthers on his damn back and carry him. But um, yeah. Cook was a big hit. Who else? Yeah, Cook was a really good one. Definitely. I was high on AJ Brown. AJ Brown's been making me very happy. Yeah, okay. I like that for sure. Yeah, I was a bit scared of Brown with Tennessee. I literally thought it's like the worst possible landing spot like ever because he's kind of like more of a slot guy, right? Yeah. And oh. you, I mean, you have Humphreys there and then Davis is there. And then it's Mariota, but Ryan Tannehill decided he's going to be God too. So, you know. It's Tannehill and <laughs> CMC season. <laughs> yeah. um, have oh, you thought yeah. of your guy um, yet? AJ Brown. AJ Brown's a good one. He was my top ranked wide receiver in terms of talent. Um, yeah. But yeah, like just like you, I was like, oh, Tennessee that blows. So I I knocked him down a bit. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd say the same about Talvin Cook. I was really high on him. But I mean, I think like one guy that a lot of people, and I, I'm not gonna say I wasn't mixed on him but i was a little more confident or not scared of was derrick henry oh yeah he's been killing it yeah he's been killing it and i think it's really easy for people to get caught up in like oh you know he doesn't look like the way i want him to look but it doesn't really matter if the team's going to give him the ball all the time then he'll be good so like with and we're seeing the same thing with leonard fournette oh fournette (laughs) the questions the questions with fournette are about his health right it's not really about his volume and that's really all you care about for the running back. So, um, yeah, like I had, I had both of those guys lower cause I thought, you know, they'll probably get hurt or something like that, but, um, it's, it's cool to see them succeed cause it confirms the idea that volume is the most important thing. So, yeah, def- I mean, and that's what matters. And we've also seen like volume picks that completely like, bust out, like going back, Alex Collins was one, I mean, Kenyon Drake, I remember people saying were like really good. He was really going to take over that Miami backfield. Didn't blew up on the Cardinals. And I can't remember his production these past few weeks, but I don't think it's been up to that either. That was another volume guy. DJ David Johnson was another volume guy. So I, yeah. I don't know. Like we, I can't figure out this fantasy football thing and it's making me mad. I want to figure it out. God damn it. You know, <laughs> I think another really good volume guy was Josh Jacobs, right? Jacobs was killing it. Yeah. I was pre- I was probably the highest on Jacob. Of, I don't know. I had him like twelve or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, like he's a perfect volume example because um, he's really, I think he's a really talented back. Terrible stats, by the way, and terrible athleticism yeah. um, and all that stuff. Right. So if you're gonna like fade a guy uh, again, this is like a similar thing to McLaurin, right? But if you if you faded Josh Jacobs because of his college stats, which were awful. Or you fade him off of his four seven four six nine forty or whatever, like whatever, right? Then you're missing the point. Um, it's about trying to find the volume. 
So Richie Incognito changes everything. Um, yeah, he's been playing great, man. Trent yeah. Brown too. Yeah. Yeah. Trent Brown's great. Definitely. I mean, they're still misusing Jacobs too. Like the guy doesn't like isn't getting any targets because Derek Carr's dumb and loves to check down to Jalen Rashard, but Josh Jacobs, nah, I don't I don't think we can make that happen. They're gonna <laughs> they have to move on from Derek Carr, so We'll yeah. see. Do you think they're going to move on from him this year? I mean, they have two first-round picks, I think, right? Yeah, I don't know what the contract is, but, um, yeah, they'll draft a guy for sure. I don't know if it'll be in the first, but, yeah, they, they got to start looking at different guys. Oh, that's a good question. What do you think happens with Nick Foles? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like... I don't know. You can keep him. Do you know how long his contract is? All four years. They have three more years with him on the bench. Well, you got what? Yeah, do you have four years with Minshew? Yeah, I think I think they're around the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Minshew was drafted this year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just keep them both, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Who's gonna buy the contract? That's the question. The Bears would be dumb to do so. Like people, are like oh, the Bears should trade one of their seconds. I'm like, no, they shouldn't. Yeah, that's tough. What do you think the Bears do? I'm just asking you all these regular football questions. I'm kind of curious. I like I like Cam Newton with the Bears. I think that'd be fun. Um, yeah. The, the problem is they don't have any collateral. So Yeah. I don't stuff. Yeah, because they don't have first round pick this year because they can't draft right. someone. Maybe you grab someone in the second, but still, like, eh, you know, second round quarterbacks typically aren't like like the, you know what I mean? Like they typically don't work out. Like the Sean Kaiser is like the last one I could think of. You know, I mean, he, I mean, he's the greatest you know quarterback of all time. So, <laughs> if if um, if Cam Newton ended up on the Bears, I'd be pretty excited about what that means for the Bears offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like necessarily sure what would happen fantasy wise with him, but like he'd be great to have. It'd be really fun for football. I think if he was a Bear. Yeah. Um. What was kind of like one like fantasy football lesson you learned this year? Right. Was it like kind of like the volume thing? Was it something else? Yeah, the volume thing. What else? So I'm trying to place a bigger emphasis on offensive line, and going to be building a model in the off season. Just trying to figure out how to grade the offensive line. I think is the first question because there's so many different. Like, who knows? No, they don't have any stats. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do, right? Um, and so, but I think understanding the offensive line is such a huge part of fantasy football. Um, like we talked about Saquon, we talked about like Le'Veon Bell. His offensive line sucks. Le'Veon sucks. He's not with the Steelers anymore. The Steelers' offensive line is perennially excellent, um, and Bell has sucked. Uh, like Devonta Freeman's another great example. Their offensive line has underperformed. He's not playing well, um, but. Joe Mixon, obviously a really good example. So the offensive line has the power to kill your entire, like all of the fantasy concepts um, around a, a, you know, a whole team. And so understanding, I think the offensive line is a huge, huge part of what I want to like work towards. So, Yeah, offensive line is definitely something where I went, eh, I mean, offensive lines can be fluky. I mean, I definitely agree with you that like, after seeing what happened with like Joe Mixon, Saquon, Le'Veon Bell, like all these guys with like these poor offensive lines kind of just hit the shitter. And I mean, guys like Marlon Mack too. I don't, I'm kind of curious. Is there like kind of like a certain like talent level we're going to have to meet where it's like a guy like Marlon Mack is not necessarily the most talented guy in the world, but he has a great offensive line. You know, where where's like the balance in it? Like what's like 
the threshold for XYZ. I think that's pretty cool. Um, how about for wide receiver? Is there anything you kind of learned with like wide receivers this year? Oh, I thought Odell was going to be great. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what? I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> there were a lot. I mean, there were a ton of guys that uh, they got hurt. Like Devontae Adams was hurt in the beginning, and so wide receivers were a real bummer. Tyree Kill was a real bummer. Um, but like, yeah, I think figuring out well, what the heck do you do with Odell Beckham will be a challenge for me. I don't know what are you gonna do. Mm-hmm. Are you buying him? I don't. I mean, might be the cheapest he's been in like a long, long, long time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't, man. <laughs> I did. I did like a little bit of analysis on Baker. Man, Baker isn't good this year. I mean, like Freddie oh. Kitchens is trash, but Baker is just oh my god. Were you higher on Baker? Were you lower on Baker? No, yeah, I was high on Baker. Oh, um, that that one burns, huh? Yeah, totally. I was high on Baker and Wentz, and yeah. you know that's like that sucks. Wentz is kind of sucked too. To be fair, I feel like he has no weapons. Unlike Baker Mayfield, who has like weapons up the ass, minus a line. Like he has a ton of weapons. I mean, I yep. don't know. What are you doing with those two then? Do you think they're gonna improve? Do you think they're gonna? I don't know. You know? They have. They have to improve. <laughs> I mean, they're both playing like crap. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they absolutely have to improve. Mm-hmm. They're bylaws or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting with those two because I feel like they're by lows, but their price hasn't really gone down as much as it it kind of should. Because like like the owners have like the back of the head, oh this is you know like runner up like MVP Carson once before he got hurt or like oh Baker Mayfield he could chuck on a beer. I, I kid you, I kid you not. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so there's some crazy Baker lovers out there, but I definitely agree with you. They're both some nice by lows. How about tight end? Uh, I think you're kind of a Darren Waller guy, right? Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, so like, um, what was kind of screaming to you to kind of like go acquire some Waller? Oh, Jared Cook. Like, Jared Cook had like 100 targets, um, and he was awesome. And they're playing the same role. And so understanding what Gruden's trying to do there, um, let's put a, an equivalent athlete to Jared Cook. We'll, we'll put him in. And he could be undrafted out of whatever right i'm interested and darren waller is like a you could get him in your 14th or whatever round um and so he was free to acquire um and like a total win it was the, what is the third tight end right um that was a huge win and i think part of that is okay i understand what gruden wants to do with this offense i understand that they don't have other weapons in the passing game and i don't care about well i do care but Derek Carr being a weaker quarterback, I know that he's going to need someone to rely on. And so that's why I'm emphasizing Darren Waller. Um, that's yeah. pretty Darren, good. I mean, Darren played receiver in college, and he runs a 4-4, and you know, he's got all those things that you like about him. Um, but, yeah, it's just cool to see that one. Darren Waller might be, like, the dynasty steal, like, the year. Like, that was someone, like, in your dynasty waiver wire. Like, like I had, like, I picked him up in one of my leagues with a 30-man bench. Think about that. He was free. I didn't spend a single right. dollar fab on him. Like, completely Absolutely. free. And now he's a tight end one. I could sell him for 2021st. I could keep him. You know, there's just... <laughs> yeah, um, do you think he's going to yeah. continue to succeed? Because I feel like a lot of people are saying to sell right now. So I'm kind of curious. Because you're pretty higher on him. So. No, I, I'd hold on him. He costs you, First of all, he costs you nothing. And he's a huge win. So, yes, I, I do think he'll continue to be a top seven tight end or whatever for the rest of his um, career. Um 
like uh, Austin Hooper is another great example of another guy that was super cheap to acquire and now is a great fantasy asset. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The, so, like, we were all concerned about the tight ends and everything like that, but I think it ended up working out great. The three tight ends that everybody had at the top, they're all top five tight ends. And then you picked up three more guys. So, like, it was Hooper, Waller, and Hunter Henry's played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, like, no reason to be bummed about the tight end position, in my opinion. Like, yeah, sure. Sure, we did lose Gronkowski. My precious Gronk. I love you, Gronk. Which, which <laughs> maybe one of the greatest tight ends of all time. I mean, that's undoubtedly, best. honestly. He's the best. He's Absolutely. the best. I think he's the best tight end of all. Nothing against Tony G, but I don't no, know. It, yeah, it's not even close. Yeah, Gronk's just too fucking good, man. Absolutely. You know how much money yeah. I'd pay to see Gronk play like one more game? The guy's just oh. disgustingly good. That's just not fair. Man, Um, I don't know. Do you play IDP at all? I do not. Okay, I don't either. Do you? No. Okay. All right. That's good. <laughs> ID, ID, IDP is like playing with more kickers. That's what you think? No, don't tell IDP that's, players that. <laughs> no, that's that's my honest opinion. You have no idea how many tackles a guy is going to get. You have no idea if a player is in line for an interception. Not like you've like not really. You don't have an idea. Um, like sacks, I can see, but like seriously. <laughs> How are you supposed to guess? It's the same thing as kicking. You'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, the Saints are going to, you know, struggle a little bit at the 30-yard line this game. Like, you have no idea. It's just guessing. So, Definitely. Do you think kickers should be removed from fantasy football? I, I am so happy that I do not play with kickers. I tried to get it removed in my home league, and they went, how dare you? Kickers are the one of the most important things in fantasy football. I'm like, shut the fuck up. That's just, uh, I think it's the stupidest thing. It, fantasy football is a very random game already, yeah. mm-hmm. and if you're like able to swing 10 or 15 points randomly, that just makes it harder. Um, so reducing randomness is a big part of what I try to do as a commissioner. Um, yeah, no, I definitely get that. I mean, one of the most frustrating things, I think, in fantasy football, especially at playoff time, and I know there's going to be a listener on here who, like, relates to this, is, like, when you're, like, the number one team, undisputed, you know, your points for, dominates everyone else, and you get bounced in, like, the first round or something. Just, yeah. oh, have you ever had that happen to you? So, um, no, I haven't. But the way that we do our setup mm-hmm. uh, for one of the leagues I'm in, for better run, is we'll do two-week playoffs. And I've loved that because it reduces randomness a huge amount. And then there's not really that complaining. Like if you beat me two weeks in a row, then I, I really did suck. <laughs> um, and like that, that's, that's the truth. And so like part of that is, okay, we're keeping the, sorry, if it's a little loud. That's we're fine. keeping the top teams at the top. Right. So we'll only have four playoff teams, um, but those are the best teams. Right. And so like all the work that you did in the regular season, it's worth something. And we also do our, our, I don't know if you guys do, but we give a prize to the guy who scored the most points in the regular season. Um, and that's another good thing, too, to be able to do. Like, he can win more in the championship or whatever, but he, at least he has locked up some money already. So um, yeah, yeah, those yeah. are a couple of things we try to do to reward the regular season. I and think that's definitely just, important. Um, yeah. Honestly, so I definitely know there's some listeners here who are in the playoffs, but how about those guys who got bounced in the first round or, like, the, the team just sucked? Is there is there any light in the road? Is there any like advice you want to give them to start like maybe acquiring some more draft picks? I don't know. Acquire some bylaws now. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can keep a face straight. <laughs> yeah, time to check out draft breakdown. Start scouting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry. So, like, another thing for me is like I started playing DFS this year, and that's been a ton of fun. So, um, no matter how crappy your fantasy team is, like you always play and gamble with your money away on uh, daily fantasy. So that, that's been fun. That's a whole different world that I'm just learning, but that's really cool. Yeah, no, I definitely think fantasy football, there's so much stuff going on. And I'm excited to see it keep growing, too. Like, it's really blown up. I hope it becomes something more mainstream. Um, so, I don't know. We still have some time here, so I'm kind of curious. Um, hmm, what should I ask you? I got something. Um, so, for 2020, you said you've done a little bit of work. And especially since I know those people who just listened are kind of mad at you for your little comment there about, oh, you can start doing the draft breakdowns. So who are some of the players you're excited about in 2020? Oh. The, so everybody knows, like, the big names. I'll just kind of talk a little bit about some of the guys that I've enjoyed watching. Um, Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty has been really fun. He's this, like, 6'4", 225 guy. Um, he's huge and he plays at a small school, but he's just, um, a total monster out there. And so I don't know if he got a senior bowl invite or anything like that, but it'll be really cool to watch him throughout the draft process and see how he handles himself again, hopefully playing against other, um, NFL caliber or comparing himself to other NFL caliber, uh, talent. Um, but he's a guy that I, I really enjoy watching. I think, you know, he could be in my top five receivers when, when I'm done grading, um, I like him a lot. And then who else? Do you have any sleepers that you like? Uh, I mean, AGG was one of my main ones I called months ago. Yeah. I'm like, this guy like is going to be like, we talked about Hakeem Butler a lot in like, kind of his rise. He could be someone that rises like that. Unfortunately, Butler was selected in like the fourth round. So he kind of like hit the shitter. Um, who else? I like Keyshawn more, Vaughn. I, yeah, I'd say I think AGG is better than Butler. Yeah, I, I like that because Butler was overrated, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, who are you saying? Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, is another one. I mean, uh, Clyde oh, yeah. Edwards Hilaire. I guess that isn't as popular of a sleeper anymore, but like he screams to oh, me yeah. someone who's going to like pan out just with how much, like how many balls he's catching. He's going to have a role. I don't know how sure. sexy that role is going to be, but I feel like you're going to like meet like the price you're going to get. I'm really high in Cam Akers, too, who isn't as much of like a sleeper name. But I right. think he's just gonna like blow up. I don't know, out of my hunch. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, definitely. What you will find is you can look at any running back in the twenty twenty class and be like, "Oh, this guy, he could be great." Yeah. And that's what that I mean. The reality is that's why the landing spot or wherever the player ends up is so important. Like I can watch film where I can know the stats on a guy and like great. But if he ends up on the Raiders and he's backing up Josh Jacobs. And I don't really care. Uh, and so, like, that, like, that's such a huge part of the eval is, okay, wh- where does this guy end up being? Um, so, like, what are your favorite landing spots? Do you have a favorite landing spot of a guy or, or, or a void you see in the NFL in fantasy? Um, I mean, for, like, running back, I mean, the Chiefs, to me, scream, like, the best landing spot, and it's not particularly close. Like, whoever ends up on the Chiefs, I don't think they're going to grab someone first round. I see some people mocking like DeAndre Swift first round of the Chiefs. I'm like, shut up! They're not gonna do that. Their defense is crap. I'd be shocked yeah, if they did that. So I don't, I don't think any of the top guys end up there. But maybe like in the second, third round, we can see someone like the Cam Akers, like the um, CAHs, like the 
um chuba hubbards someone some, one of those guys was going to end up there and that's going to put them in the top tier so that's going to sure, be yeah. i mean chiefs just i think they're like un, un like undisputed how are they not like the best landing spot they, their depth chart is good. crap their offense is insane you're gonna get you're gonna get an offense tethered to patrick mahomes like <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah. for like wide receiver hmm i'd say I don't know. The Jets are a little interesting to me because I don't feel like they retain Robbie Anderson. And I guess I'm stupidly high on Sam Darnold for no reason. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I'm seeing ghosts with him. I don't know. But um, I think that's another one. The Raiders are kind of interesting that they grab a quarterback. Um, I don't know. Oh. Derek, Derek Carr scares the crap out of me. I've seen the Jags take one. I don't think that's going to happen. The Redskins, I think, are another team that could. The Giants... So I don't know. I don't feel like for wide receiver there's as sexy of a landing spot. How about you? Uh, I'd love any receiver that went to the Eagles. Oh, Eagles! Yeah, 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 yeah. I could see that. That's showing. I, you know, I did a, a mock, and I think I ended up with Jerry Judy on the Eagles or something like that. They picked, you know, like twelve or thirteen or somewhere. So yeah, any guy that goes to the Eagles, I'll be pumped. That's, that's another good one. I didn't think about that one because they drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, but he's been pretty damn disappointing, to be honest. Um, yeah. Who else could grab one? I don't know. I mean, maybe the Dolphins might grab a receiver. I guess it depends on how they feel about Parker, how they feel about Preston Williams, who's another guy that broke out sure. and then got hurt, which made me mad. But um, I don't know. That's just interesting. Tight ends aren't as strong, though. I feel like we could both agree on that. Yeah. Which sucks because we just got like a great tight end class. I mean, Irv Smith, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson. Can't get much better than that. Insane class. Quarterbacks yeah. are really good, though. Um, is Joe Burrow kind of your top guy? Is it Tua? Is it, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think Burrow has to be your top guy. Um, there's a lot, I, there are a lot of questions about the hip. I think those are legitimate questions. Uh, but I figure they'll still end up drafting Tua on the first. Um, yeah, I, on Burrow one to a two, but I actually don't think that the rest of the class is very good. Um, yeah, I think that's questions. fair. I feel like it's a little deeper of a class because you have guys. I believe um, Jordan Love just declared, which is dumb. I don't know why he did that, but he did. So there's a guy who he could groom. I mean, there's Jacob Eason, could Jake Fromm. I don't know. Justin Herbert would be the other guy I think goes in the first. If there's one more, who I could definitely yeah. tell you're lower on just based off of how you evaluate because he's kind of like super inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of good names. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's not. Nobody has done what you wanted them to do, right? We wanted Herbert to be a stud, and he wasn't. Um, so, yeah, Fromm didn't do it. Like Fromm had great opportunity stuff. He didn't do anything. So, like, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff like that. But yeah, a little bit disappointing, I'd say, in terms of the, the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Fromm's complete trash unless he ends up on the Patriots, and then he becomes the next Tom Brady. That's what I keep telling people because he's like <laughs> he's right. seriously a young Tom Brady. I see it. That's kind of my joke. Um, <laughs> what else? Um, all right, I guess kind of like one of my final questions here for you is um, kind of why do you think like people like I know you're kind of like a dynasty guy, right? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. So why do you think people should like? dive deeper into dynasty like dynasty film just dynasty in general oh redraft sucks yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah it sucks fuck you redraft <laughs> uh 
Uh, redraft is so stupid. <laughs> I I will never play redraft again. Um, Dynasty is so like so much fun just because you get to manage your own team and pretend you're a real GM and do all have the the joy of building something. Um, I've been a like I've had bad dynasty teams and I've had good dynasty teams and it's fun just to like build something and work on something. And like we were talking about randomness earlier, um, redraft is like if your if your first round pick gets hurt, you're done. Um, that's it. Like and that could be like if you look at the first round of this this group, like that. That's like half the guys, right? Um, so, you know, every like every year you got a forty percent chance of just getting burned, and you have to like do a lot of work to make up for that. Um, whereas when you're playing dynasty, like it's always there, and you can always you know add or build or you know, always grow. So, um, yeah, that, that's an easy one for me. I, I love dynasty. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Dynasty is just more engaging because you feel like a real, like, GM a little bit more. Like, how you kind of have these, uh, like, draft picks now and how do you treat them? Do you sell them for a proven commodity? Do you keep them and potentially, like, profit, like, like a big bang, like a Terry McLaurin, whatever, right? So, I don't know. I think that's kind of, like, something that I hope fantasy football becomes more because Dynasty is kind of, like, niche a little bit. Like, I don't think there's many people who enjoy it. I mean, I don't think there's a big community for it, but... I mean, mainly everyone's into redraft because they're, um, as Drake Jordan would say, uh, low stakes players. Yeah, Drake Jordan. Drake Jordan. Um, I, I, I wish I could get him on here. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Um, with that being said, my final question for you is like, where can we find you again if anyone is interested checking you out? Oh yeah, so I'm with the Fantasy Football Astronauts. We have a website www.ffastronauts.com and then uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jetpack Galileo. Sounds pretty good and all those links will be in the description of this podcast. They'll be down there if you want to click on your phone to check them out. But thank you so much. I appreciate it, man, for coming on, chatting for me about 45 minutes. Oh, dude, it's great. Alright, thank good you. Hanging. Thank you so much, guys. Remember to, um, you know, I'll rate up the podcast. I'll let the outro take us out. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Feel free to leave feedback, subscribe, or check out our previous content. And remember, have a fantastic rest of your day.